0: On this episode of the Heat Check, there is a brewing rivalry between the Pelicans and the Suns. It's going to be something to watch going forward. Zion is putting himself firmly in the MVP race. Rich Paul is, let's be honest, caping for Anthony Davis again in GQ. Uh, why isn't anyone talking about Cade Cunningham? Because it looks like he might be done for the year. Kay Cunningham might be done for the year and no one is saying a damn thing about it. And I explain why Mark Cuban is now mad at the Mavericks and also Luca is mad at the Mavericks and all the fans are mad at the Mavericks again. Lots to get to. Oh, yeah, Boyan Bogdanovich might be on the move to the Lakers. So, ton to get to, Nick. Drop that beat. It's getting hot. Shh. Shit is getting hot between the Phoenix Suns and the New Orleans Pelicans. And you know what? I am absolutely here for this. So, Adam Silver has instituted this weird baseball schedule. We talked about this in a couple episodes ago where teens play each other two or three times in the same week, sometimes on consecutive days. And it's been attacked, right? It's been attacked by Greg Popovich. It's been attacked by other media members because it's a playoff playoff atmosphere, and it's not really warranted. We're in the regular season. We shouldn't have a playoff atmosphere, right? But I like it. I like it because a playoff atmosphere creates rivalries, and that's what we need in today's soft-ass NBA, more rivalry. And the birth of a rivalry might just be well, we got on Friday in the first of a three-game series between the Suns and the Pelicans. Three games in the span of one week. Tensions, if you remember, boiled over in the first round series between the Pelicans and the Suns, right? Things got very, very spicy. As a quick aside to just the rivalry that's brewing and what happened on Friday night because it was awesome, is, is Chris paul is, is Chris Paul the worst now? Like, what happened? I've, I liked Chris Paul for so long. I've been talking all kinds of positive things about him. People hate him. I've been saying, no, he's a phenomenal leader. He's one of the best pass-first point guards in the league. No, he's not washed. But, man, he is a world-class cheap shot. He's the worst. I, I am now out on Chris Paul. Do you remember when Jose Alvarado essentially ruined Chris Paul? Got under his skin, forced him into a backcourt violation. Then he picked his pockets in another game. Chris Paul started chirping him to get back on defense and to not pick his pockets again because he was, he was Chris Pauling Chris Paul. Also, remember when Chris Paul kicked Jose Alvarado in the nuts in the middle of that series? Then after the series, calls Jose Alvarado Alvarado ho. Calls him a hoe. Also, by the way, Zion wasn't in that series uh, because he had a foot injury. So that's important to note because of what happened on Friday. Zion wanted to be, he wanted to put his imprint on this little back and forth that they have going on. So this is what happened during the game. Chris Paul continued to be, as my grandma would have said, a little shit. Sneaky, elbowing Jose Alvarado in the chin as he goes by. For no reason. They're not even playing. Basketball's nowhere in sight. And after a really tight game, the Pelicans pulled away from the Suns late. But what really got the Suns pissed was that the Pelicans had nothing to play for at that point. Game was over. And instead of just running the clock out, Zion took an outlet pass from I forget who. Maybe Alvarado. and proceeded to do a 360 windmill dunk at the buzzer with like two seconds left on the clock. Then he flexed for the home crowd. Suns did not like that. They did not appreciate that whatsoever. Uh, They went nuts. It was a little kerfuffle. You had people fake fighting, pushing each other. Refs got involved. Willie Green got involved. Literally, head coach Willie Green was ready to throw down for his team. And was Willie Green's team who initiated it, honestly. So it was funny. And it was a, a really good announcement that Zion is back. Zion's like, I am so healthy that in a meaningless two seconds of a game, I am willing to get my bounce and windmill that shit down. 35 points on 13 for 17 shooting unstoppable going downhill in a way I think only in a way that Giannis is capable of doing right and oh boy oh boy perpetual black cloud Chris Paul looked like he was gonna fight afterwards campaign explained exactly why he was pissed exactly what pissed him off so much he said the game was pretty much over and they kept playing feel like that was a little unsportsmanlike We don't really like that. We do the right thing. We feel like they should have done the right thing, and then they didn't. We don't take that well. Come on now. Come on now. Let's not act like this isn't the same team that saw Jay Crowder cheap shot Anthony Davis by stepping on his foot, pushing him in the lower back with his left hand, and swiping at his right ankle with his right hand. Let's not act like this is a team above it, like it's above me now. We don't do that here. We are the Phoenix Suns, a perennial Wait, hold on. This is a team that's been bad for forever since after Charles Barkley left. Chris Paul is constantly throwing chippy elbows at people, constantly pulling, doing his best Draymond Green impression. Let's call the call off the pearl clutching campaign for a second because I don't buy that for one minute, do you? And my guy Eddie Johnson, friend of show, he does uh, color on the broadcasts for the Suns. He had... The absolute gall to call and say that the anger aimed at Chris Paul, because Pelicans fans obviously hate him now for a myriad of reasons, one being that Chris Paul left, had had the gall to say that the boos were fake, that the boos were just merely echoes from some sound machine making the stadium and arena louder than it actually is. A sound machine to amplify the booze. Get the fuck out of here. This is why, we'll hold off on this is why. DeAndre Ayton, of course, might have been the only son with a reasonable response. Essentially, yeah, it's a home court. He's doing it for his fans. I don't take any of that stuff personal. I love DeAndre Ayton so much. He is so much better than anyone He's too good for the Suns, given who they are. And Zion, he had this to say. That was a little out of character for me, but you got to understand. I mean, you can understand it or not. They sent my teammates home last year. I missed all last year. I got a, I got carried away a little bit. I admit that. But, you know, I was in that locker room when my brothers were down because you know, the Suns sent us home last year. That would, that's a tough moment to be a part of. So, in that moment, I got carried away. I admit that. That it was out of character for me. <clears throat> so, you know, if they was to the, do the same thing, I wouldn't have no problem with it. If they were to do the same thing, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Unfortunately, the Suns don't have anyone athletic enough to do that. So, <laughs> I don't know about you, but if Zion keeps playing this way, there he's going to win MVP. He is. They're the number one in the West. He's averaging 25-7-4 and 4 with a steal. Gets blocks all the time. If he has even a modicum, as my mom would say, a modicum of defense. And they continue to play this way, number one in the West. And Zion is doing 360-degree windmills at the end of games, causing a scuffle to the point where it becomes sports center, first take. Un- you know what time it is. That's how MVPs are born. Stay healthy, Zion. And listen, his odds on Thursday night, 50 to 1 to win the MVP. His odds today, 20 to 1 to win MVP. That is what we call diminishing value. You should probably jump on Zion tickets right now. And you know what's crazy is outside of that fight, the media hasn't said a peep, myself included. We are just hoping and praying Zion is a bust, don't we? It's like we are just thinking that maybe he'll tear something or erode or break a toe or just get fat again. Who knows? We're just waited with bated breath to see if something wrong goes on because Zion as this version of Zion and the team that's the number one in the West, oh boy, they are fast, they are deep, they have stars everywhere. This team is a killer, and I think that they are the most dangerous team to any contending team based on this roster alone. And the last question that I have, because I was thinking about this when every son was bitching and complaining and moaning and saying about unsportsmanship, and blah, 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 and how unlikable they are. I have rode for the Suns. My grandmother loved the Phoenix Suns. But are they the most unlike Are the Phoenix Suns the most unlikable team in the NBA right now? People absolutely hate them. People absolutely hate Chris Paul, and now that hate is extending to Devin Booker. I don't know why that is, but they hate him too. Probably because they both fucked the Kardashian. And you've got campaign. They don't like campaign. He's kind of a little bit of unsportsman like himself. Jay Crowder, when he was on that team, was very much disliked. The only likable player on the team is DeAndre Ayton, and he wanted out. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. What's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie. Critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May third. it PG thirteen. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. Rich Paul of Clutch Sports I had a, quickly, quickly we just need to I had a debate with a friend today It's not going well It's not going well uh, So my, my thought was that Rich Paul was um, more famous than Mark Cuban And uh, I put a Twitter poll out He's not. He's not. (laughs) He's not even close. It's like 91% to 9, and the 9 feels generous. You know what I mean? I just figured people weren't watching Shark Tank anymore, you know? (laughs) So, and with Rich Paul dating Adele, I thought Rich Paul was a bigger star than this. Needless to say, Rich Paul is in GQ right now. Rich Paul, now I have to say who he is, I guess. Super agent... To every NBA player and certainly every Laker under the star, Rich Paul was was in Condé Nast, in GQ, because he's writing a memoir. And so they're talking about it. And in that feature, he starts talking about the unfair criticism that has been levied against his greatest client, Anthony, day-to-day, street clothes, Davis. Is that unfair? Is that unfair? Is that what he's talking about when we call Anthony Davis day-to-day Davis? Is that what he's talking about? I think it might be. According to Paul, Rich Paul, uh, super agent, he says, I think the first thing is you've just got to understand media. And the media has a job. Some of it is scripted, (laughs) like this right here. Uh, And some of it is based on analytics, which is true. Some of it is based on viewership. When you talk about these topics, day-to-day Davis... You see a rise in viewership. And so the media, as it pertains to any player, but especially AD, they're going to kick you when you're down. Over the last couple of years, he's had some really freak situations. Guy gets pushed into his knee, and then I think the one before that, or the year before that, was a hamstring or a groin, whatever it is. It's so many injuries he doesn't even remember. Those are the things that happen when you play the sport. It's almost like Rich Paul is trying to hide the fact that and doesn't want anyone to know that day-to-day Davis has, I don't know, a degenerative condition, which means gets worse over time. It's not just a freak fluke thing. This is something that's going to continue to persist and be an issue. And listen, Anthony Davis has been amazing this year. But if I had to say which one breaks down first, Anthony Davis or LeBron James, I'm going to say Anthony Davis. And LeBron James is 38 years old, damn near. And he also addressed the concerns that Anthony Davis is soft. Is he soft, though? That's the question. People act like, oh, he's just hoping to go out and get injured. Or, oh, the guy doesn't want to play. It's stupidity at times, but that's what comes with it. He also took an opportunity to answer the claims that he has strong-armed certain teams to take on clutch clients. This is why I thought Rich Paul was so famous, because he represents pretty much every big NBA player. And he's with Adele. And he brings his liquor with Adele to the games. So I thought he was bigger than he was. Shame on P. This is what he said. In in some cases, that's going to be playing with other clients whether it's DeJounte Murray and Trey Young, both clutch clients, or when we had Darius Garland and Colin Sexton playing together in Cleveland, or Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball in Chicago. But when that type of stuff happens, I think it's – I'm trying to use the right word here. I don't want to say stupidity. I would say it's the lack of education as it pertains to the sport and the business of the sport. I don't want to – I'm trying to find the right word here, but I don't want to say it's stupidity. But you have – All of the L.A. Lakers are your clients. All of them. Like, you're just going to sit there and pretend like we don't know that nine Lakers or whatever it is are clutch clients, nine of them. And we don't mean stars. We mean like Lonnie Walker. I mean, damn near Austin Reeves. You know, like all your clients are on this team. This man, Rich Paul, is wild. Safe to say that super agent Rich Paul, not a fan of probably my TikTok account. Probably this podcast. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that Clutch is a whole, not super stoked on me. But they are the two biggest areas where he can't control the narrative. And as for the NBA, he's going to continue to get his chokehold on it one NBA client at a time because it is very clear that he and LeBron will try to own a team and they will try to create a larger power circle day by day. Is Kate Cunningham going to be out for the season? Why isn't anyone speaking about this? Like, why is this not – I haven't heard a peep. What is happening with Cade Cunningham, the number one overall pick in two years ago's draft for the Detroit Pistons? If you don't know what's happening with Cade Cunningham, if you don't know that anything is actually happening with Cade Cunningham, join the club. Join the club. No one seems to know. And the people who do know, they are mum. They are saying nothing. The rumors now – are that Cade Cunningham might be done for the season. What? No, not Cade Cunningham. Not busface Cunningham. No, the rumors are that he might be done for the season. Some people are saying, though, that this could be a nightmare scenario for the Pistons. Why isn't anyone talking about this? Why? Why isn't this news? Why isn't this on The Jump or whatever NBA Today is called now? This is the first overall pick in last year's draft. And he has now missed 16 straight games. And we're not in game 45. We're in game like 23, right? Like 25. There is zero evidence when or if he'll be back anytime soon. What is happening? According to multiple reports, he's being sidelined with what is being reported as a stress fracture to his shin. It was reported when he went out that he's going to decide quickly whether he wants to have Surgery or not? That was a month ago. Clearly not a quick decision. A month later, no news. Nothing from Detroit's front office. The question is why. Well, according to Pistons beat writer Aaron Kellerstross, it's pretty much been radio silence from the Pistons, which makes him to wonder whether they even know what Cade is ultimately going to decide. If you're a team and you don't even know what your star player is going to do, and that, let's just be very clear, that surgery is season-ending, and you are the worst team in the league right now? Uh, we've got real issues, folks. Like, that is the nightmare scenario. If Kate continues to waffle on whether he has surgery, which will 100% end his season, and his rehab will absolutely continue into the off season in putting him in danger also of missing part of the next season as well, That would be bad. I would say that would be bad. This is why a shin stress fracture is very, very tough. Very, very dangerous. Stress fractures. Dr. Crick. Paging Dr. Crick time. Stress fractures. Small breaks in the bones that result from the accumulation of repetitive stresses on that bone. They're most commonly caused by biomechanical abnormalities, such as high or low arches, rotation of the hips, or weakness of muscle groups that add Additional stress to the bones. So it's a big deal. Let's just, you guys want to know some names of people with some stress fractures that have bothered them over time? Yao Ming. Yao Ming had a stress fracture. Uh, Joel Embiid had a stress fracture. Blake Griffin lost a year to a stress fracture. But more troubling, as a Portland Trailblazer fan, Sam Bowie had a stress fracture to his tibia. Greg Oden had a stress fracture to his tibia. I mean, this could be career-ending. I'm not saying that his career is in danger of being over, but what I'm saying is if you're the Detroit Pistons, you know those scenarios like the back of your hand. You know that there's a possibility that if Cade Cunningham isn't done growing yet when this stress fracture is happening, it may never heal, ever. Big deal for a team like the Pistons that has Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham, the number one and the number, what, five overall pick. They have lost now an entire season. They are not going to be good. They are done. Even if Cade was to come back, didn't have surgery, he will be back at minimum by All-Star break, which is February. Now you've got issues with Jalen Duran. He's been on and off the floor. Jaden Ivey's trying to get himself chemistry with the team. Everything that they were trying to do, out the window. Very fun, very exciting team. Now, not so fun. Not very exciting. And... What does that mean? What does that mean? It means probably everyone is about to go. Everyone who's not a part of the core, you are expendable. This is the first team we can now say is legitimately tanking. We now have them. They are the Detroit Pistons. It is now a garage sale. A garage sale. No one knows when we're going to see Kate again. So that means we've got pieces to sell, folks. And that leads us to our next segment what the Detroit Pistons are doing to Boyan Bogdanovich but it's uh it's very confusing they trade for him great trade to get him they just had to get Kelly Olenek and I think a second round pick but Boyan was extended immediately he's on an expiring deal they ex- extended for two more years on a young exciting team and you wonder to yourself why is that Troy locked him down to a two-year, $39.1 million extension. He was supposed to be some big part of the Pistons' future until two things happened. One, Pistons stink, like I just said. They stink. Seven, and 22, they sit atop the standings. That is the worst record in the NBA. Again, again. Second, as we mentioned in the last segment, No one knows when Cade Cunningham is coming back, if he's coming back. He could be done for the season. Five of the seven Pistons wins came with Cade in the lineup. That's – it's time for Victor Wambanyama, folks. And if it's time to tank, if it's time to play like shit for Vic, it's time to go full send mode, which means the Pistons are actually considering the guy that they just extended, Boyan Bogdanovich, despite despite the fact that the team, the fan base – The front office, all really, really like him. Guess who covets him? Team needs some three-point shooting, needs someone to be able to playmate, create, get into the mid-range. Yeah, the Los Angeles Lakers, that's who. And it makes sense, right? 6'7", he's a three-point shooting sniper. He unlocks tons of spacing for them. Right now, this year, he's shooting 21-4 and 2 44% from three, 90% nearly from the free throw line. And this is on a terrible team. Imagine what he could do if he could get some open looks. So the Lakers decided, okay, we're going to put forth an offer. They put forth an offer to the Pistons that centered around one of their two first rounders, as we would have thought that they might. But because it's Rob Palenka and he's a slime ball, there were protections attached because the Lakers know they're not very good. And Troy Weaver could not have said no fast enough, right? He's like, absolutely fucking not. Go away. Bye. And that is because anyone trading with the Lakers is betting that Palinka has put this team in such a bad position that the protections matter. We can't have no protections. I don't even want a top one protection from you, okay? Like, no protections, period. And, of course, that's pretty much what everyone is reporting now. Rob Palenka is trying to hold up a bank with his little baby squirt gun. We don't know. We know you have no guns. We know you have no artillery. We know you have no leverage. So we know it. He knows it. He can do nothing but just offer things in the wind and hope that something manifests. And the Pistons, their reputation for decision-making has been so bad for so long, and yet they will not be fleeced by the Lakers. They will not. The regime now is not dumb. They are not the dumbest regime out on the streets anymore. That belongs to the L.A. Lakers. And so, the, of course, they're insisting on a fully unprotected future first in any deal. So who will blink first? My guess, Lakers. If you want Boyon, give us your 2025 first-round pick, unprotected. He's, he's locked up for two more years on top of this one for a pretty good deal. $20 million a year. You just take him. He's yours. We'll see. I mean, I am betting— I am betting that he stays a Detroit Piston, though. As for the Lakers, everyone's putting the squeeze on him, right? No one is going to be Rob Plink as Little Huckleberry. He's not going to—if you think he can do what Danny Ainge did, you're mistaken. It's either unprotected firsts or nothing. And nothing means more L.A. Lakers mediocrity, which means more happiness for me. So, we talked about how bad the Mavericks were last week, I want to say. Monday, Tuesday, maybe. I forget. It's all blurring together. But no NBA owner right now is more unhappy with his team than Dallas Mavericks owner, Shark Tank equity squeezer, Mark Cuban. So, we did talk about how the season went off the rails, right? We talked about how Luka is very unhappy and how Jason Kidd's playing He's just really coaching above his skis right now. He's not handling the lineup great, especially Christian Wood. So the question is, is this what's pissing off Mark Cuban? No. What is chapping Mark Cuban's Shark Tank ass? Well, his team is awful. Awful, awful, awful. One of the worst in shooting free throws. They're the second worst team in the league to be exact. They shoot 72.3% from the charity stripe. Only the Memphis Grizzlies are worse, which is a whole other thing that we can talk about some other day. It is the lowest, though, that the Mavericks have ever ranked in free throw shooting in their history. They once finished 27th in free throw shooting in 1992-1993, and that team won exactly 11 games. Think about that. In 1992-1993, They were 27th in the league, better than they are now at free throw shooting. And they won 11 games with Tim Legler. No shade of Tim Legler. Like him. And Mark Cuban is having none of this. He unloaded on the Dallas Morning News. Decided to go full nuclear. He was like, yeah, I told Jason Kidd, I told Michael Finley to figure it out. They know it's an issue. It's not like we don't see the box scores. It's not something we ignore. That's for damn sure. It's not like, ah, it's just going to work out in the end. This is something we have to work on. He even bitched to Nico Harrison as well several times about this. And let's face it, Nico has enough on his plate right now. He's got to defend the Kemba Walker move. He's got to defend the Facundo Campazzo move. So that's, who knows how that's going to be. But all of this to say... What NBA owner is, like, in the weeds on your free throw shooting? Like, this is madness. <laughs> like, Mark Cuban is a maniac. And I get it. You're 30, 29th in free throw percentage? That's bad. But, like, Mark Cuban, don't you have some, like, new sham wows to approve? Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? You'd think he'd be too busy... Complaining about why he let Lori outmaneuver him for the Scrub Daddy, right? Like, to read through Mav stats. Like, what are we talking about? It's 25 games in the season. You have Luka Doncic, but here we are. Anyway, he wasn't done. Cuban also said, literally, we would probably have five more wins if we could shoot free throws. It's just the way it goes. We went through the same things last year, and for whatever reason, it's been our Achilles heel. Hmm. Another season crippling deficiency that was not addressed. Looking like things are not very sunny for the future of Jason Kidd and Nico Harrison. An unhappy Luka, a front office that thought Facundo Campazzo and Kemba Walker to replace Jalen Brunson was a good idea. Team is shooting 5% worse than they were last year when it was their Achilles heel. Changes are coming in Dallas, and it might happen sooner than later. And remember... Remember, they asked Mark Cuban how important Luka was to them, and he said, if it was between Luka and my wife, I'm going down to the courthouse and filing for a divorce. So you better believe he's going to do everything that he can to keep Luka Doncic happy, and so that might mean deuces for everyone else. Speaking of Dallas, uh, we need to address the fact that Luka is also unhappy um, with how the season is going. Since the Mavs only win when he wins 30 point, scores 30 points or more, you might think that's why. You might think it's because of Jason Kidd putting in someone else besides Christian Wood. The fact that they replaced Jalen Brunson with some scrubs. Uh, no, it's not why. You'd think that was why Luka was mad, but it's not. You'd be wrong. Here's the latest tea. According to NBA reporter Aubrey Wynn, who was sitting courtside at the game, uh, Bucks versus Mavs, awesome game, went down to the wire He said, I was sitting courtside tonight and Luca was visibly upset at the coaching staff the entire second half. Anytime he had a chance, he looked over to the bench. This play to end the game was the final nail. He didn't talk to anyone. He stormed off the court. What was this final nail? What was the play to end the game? Well, they had like five seconds left out of bounds play. And apparently the Bucs knew exactly what they were running. Luca knew that the Bucs knew the final play, but he's trying to alert the coaching staff, and it was like they were in a trance. They had no ability to see Luca looking at them, trying to give them the, hey, hey, look at me, hey, this is bad. We got to scratch this. We got to do something else. Instead, they sat around with their glazed eyes holding their dicks, doing nothing new. And of course the play got blown up. Of course the Mavs lost. Of course it was like Drew Holiday had to do nothing just to get switched back on to Luka, their best defender on Luka, having to take a 40-footer to win the game. Yeah, and after the game, Luka had things to say. He said, we got to work on that. They pre-switched. I think there was a little miscommunication with the players. I just wanted him to slip so I didn't have Drew on me. Yeah, no shit you don't want Drew on you. Like, that's the worst person to have on you. And it happened to be the same final play the Mavs had used pretty much in previous games that got sussed out. Why are you running the same out-of-bounds play in multiple games in a row? Why? Why are you doing that? Do you you have like four plays? What's happening? They did the same thing against the Raptors. They did the same thing against the Rockets. Basically, it ends up with a busted play with Luka shooting and chucking a contested 40-footer and losing. Luka, of course, doesn't speak to anyone. He storms off. Can you blame him? This is bullshit. He had Rick Carlisle, and now he has Jason Kidd. Is this man going to get anyone who's creative or competent or has any idea of what the modern NBA looks like? This is the slowest pace of play team in the NBA. I don't think it's all because of Luca's fatness. I really don't. I don't think it's the only reason. I have questions. Like, Are we still running this Rick Carlisle system in Dallas? Is this Lucas system? I mean, this coaching staff has... Absolutely zero bag. Like, none. This is so bad. This is so, so bad. If this doesn't get cleaned up fast, Jason Kidd's going to hope, upon hope, that Frank Vogel gets hired again so that he can sit on his bench. That's the up, like, that is the absolute best-case scenario for Jason Kidd if this, if this team doesn't get figured out fast. I mean, maybe Charlotte. Go to Charlotte, Jason Kidd. Because if you can't win with Giannis and Luca. I don't know if you're cut out for this coaching thing. I really don't. Is Ant Edwards better without Carl Anthony Towns? It's it's a very important question to ask. Remember the first month of the season, Ant hadn't had a single dunk all year. And people were like, what's going on with Ant Edwards? What's wrong with Ant Edwards? What's wrong with the Minnesota Timberwolves? Turns out, of course, as we know, it's a spacing issue. Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns we are such a disaster together that Ant had no idea where to be, where to go, what to do. What has happened since Carl Anthony Towns has headed to the IR? Ant ha- has been unleashed. He's been absolutely a monster. He is averaging 25 and 5 with 4.4 steals per game since Carl Anthony Towns got hurt. Are you serious? 4.4 steals per game is absurd. That is absurd. The reason why. He's going to the rim again. He's dunking. He's driving so much. Ask why he's driving so much. Well, I'm just going. I'm not thinking about doing too many moves. I'm just trying to play off the catch and play faster. Gee, I wonder what was the change. I wonder what makes him be able to operate faster, with more space, like a free, open, wide plane. I don't know. Maybe the lack of another 7-footer known to be slightly soft, slightly bitchy. I'm going to make a bold take here. Carl Anthony Towns has got to go. He's got to go. It's either Gobert or it's Carl Anthony Towns. You can't have both. And I'm pretty sure Aunt Edwards would agree with me there. Boy, oh boy, did that Gobert trade turn into one of the least fun moves in NBA history. There's an NBA star that is being sued by literally everyone. Who is it? Probably the nicest guy in the NBA. It's raining lawsuits, and Steph Curry has absolutely zero umbrella. We know he doesn't have an umbrella because he's got like six kids too. A huge number of big stars in Hollywood and sports being sued over their connection to the Ponzi scheme, known as FTX. You guys remember that? He was like, I don't need to know anything about crypto. back probably not a great advertising campaign remember they're a crypto exchange they had these nerdy founders and those nerdy founders stole literally billions of dollars from their clients and then they lost it all in this like nerd term called arbitrage trading running point for the celebrities promoting this fraud steph curry but it gets worse so The Golden State Golden Boy not only being sued for promoting crypto, but he's also being sued over the NFT Ponzi scheme known as the Bored Ape Yacht Club. I didn't even know that was a thing. Did you guys know? Google this. People argue that the Bored Ape Yacht Club was founded by racists. This is crazy. Intending to make gross racial stereotypes and passing them off as cool. Who could possibly make someone... With the squeaky clean of his image of Steph getting involved in NFTs and crypto? I don't know. Uh, Bad advice, people. Also, very, very, probably greed as well. Steph Curry's got enough money. He doesn't need to get involved with the, what's it called again? Bored Ape Yacht Club. (laughs) This is a great lesson. Sometimes not every bag you need to go and grab. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is rough. Don't get involved in shit you don't understand. And if you don't understand it, don't make commercials about not understanding it. Because I can promise you, I have about as much knowledge of crypto and non-fungible tokens as Steph Curry does. And I, I know less than nothing. I don't even know why a screenshot can't just double as an NFT. I have no idea. The difference between me and Steph Curry is I haven't lost any money on crypto. And I haven't lost anyone else. Money on crypto and I'm not being sued for losing other people's money on crypto in both suits they're trying to uh, determine the level of liability that is Steph Curry's but there's billions of dollars missing and the courts are they are foaming at the mouth to find people to blame in probably one of the biggest scams since since Madoff right And I am betting Steph Curry wishes he and the Golden State Warriors never got involved in FTX. The Warriors were involved too. Remember, they were selling FTX bobble nights. They thought it was all easy money. Crypto.com Arena, FTX this, Bored Ape Yacht Club that. Listen, bad news for Steph. There are going to be people taking him to court, and they are not going to stop until they get some of his money that he got for who knows what, doing who knows what, a money, mo- what do they say, money, and a fool and his money are soon parted. Yeah, that's what's about to happen. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Thursday, which means Friday for you, with the new episodes. Check out the feed for past episodes, mini-episodes that drop every single day. Follow the Heat Check as the NBA season is now in full swing. Do not forget to download do not forget to subscribe. Please tell your friends as well, every single one of your friends. And follow us on social at check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. We'll see you Thursday night, knuckleheads. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.